apologize. Uh, today you are in uh, Going Mobile, a discussion on church apps and mobile communication. Uh, today's uh, speaker is John Holtkamp. He is the founder of Faithlink Apps and uh, media director at uh, Mosaic Cincy here in Ohio. Um, if you guys are in the wrong room, you're like, oh man, it's, I didn't mean to come in here. No judgment, judgment-free zone. If you guys want to go to a different room at this point, we won't think twice about it. But you guys are on the right spot. And uh, John can be reached at a, an email that he's going to tell you. It's john at faithlinkapps.com. Look at that. So he'll tell you that again, but john at faithlinkapps.com. Um, without further ado, I'm going to hand this mic over to John and uh, take it away. Awesome. Thank you. All right, so um, technically, I'm supposed to ask you all for questions right off the bat, but this is going to be a pretty close to full session. So uh, if you have questions, I have a table here. Let's see if I can do this. I have a table here, so you can uh, get to my table. Wow, I'm really bad at this. Uh, you can come out to the table, Faithlink apps right out there, and uh, ask me questions out there. And I may have time at the end to answer questions as well. But, uh, yep, I'm just going to dive right in, like, he's, like Matt said. I make apps. Uh, I have apps all over the U.S. and in Canada. My business has an uh, interesting way of approaching church apps because we take a lot of time up front. We spend a few days, instead of just trying to throw your apps together like that, we take a few days and we get access to your website, we get access to Vimeo, whatever you use. So that way, once the app's set up, instead of spending five to ten hours a week updating everything on your app as well as on your website, you just do whatever you're doing and the app just shows it. And that doesn't mean it's a web app. It's actually a native app. It just retrieves all the information for wherever it is and puts it into an app. Like I said, not a web app. Because the first thing you're thinking when you hear that, it's going to be a web app. It's a native app. But, uh, so we have that approach to it. I'm going to try to just talk to you about apps in general. I'm obviously biased. But um, I'm going to try to just tell you what apps can do. And uh, the basic layout of the talk is I'm going to talk about why a church would want to make an app, how it helps visitors and members of the church, um, also, I'm going to tackle the toughest question I'm asked all the time. Uh, I'm going to go through what an app can do and what it looks like to, oh, oh, I thought you had a question. What it looks like to create and maintain an app. So before jumping into that, I just want to talk about Synergy in general. This is an awesome opportunity for us all to connect uh, together. This is not just a, I mean, it's a one-day thing, but it's also a chance to connect. So you can contact me if you're not even interested in an app. Let's say you're interested in more information about a website. I will not make a website for you but I can certainly connect you with who can make a website for you. And I can give you my opinion on your own website if you just have questions for me. Same with an app. You don't have to have an app for me, but if you have questions about an app, I would be glad to give you my opinion without trying to push my app on you. This is a ministry for me, and I'm sure you're all inv involved in ministries where you're not pushing your church on people. You just want to get people, you want to tell people about Christ. So just realize that. I'm always here to contact. I got business cards here, or you can get one of those for me for my contact information. So the, the tough question, I was asked this this last Monday uh, in person. I was asked this over the phone. Why would you make an app if you had a mobile-friendly website? This is also known as a responsive website. Um, it's, so what, what that means is you have your website here, and then on the phone, it displays usually in a really tall version where you scroll through all the content, but it's made to format really nicely on your phone. So all the time I'm asked, why, why would I make an app when I do this? And um, my, answer, or my answer is actually a question. It's like, what is, what is a website for? Like, what do you want on your website? And I mean, the answer to that is you want everything on your website. Your website is to reach out 
to people wanting to find out information about your church, right? That's what everything says that the people that visit your church for the first time, they're going to, they say that the thing that brought them into church the most is the website. So you're going to have your navigation bar at the top of the website, and most likely every single item drops down into an item, drops down into an item, drops down into an item. You have to know what I'm talking about. And the problem is you have Mike, who wants an item way down here, but he wants it to be up here. But Sue has an item here, and she wants it here, and everyone's unhappy. But the visitor is just happy everything's there to look at. So you're never going to please everyone. But my, so, but that's what you should have. You should have everything available to everyone, because you need to have all your content available to everyone. But with an app, my advice is whenever a church comes to me asking for what to put in an app, because, I mean, there's a, there's a number of general things that are obvious, but oftentimes a church will be like, what about this, 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 and this? I'll say, look at, look at what it is you're looking at, and will 20% of your church use that every single week? Now, that, that's not like a hard rule. That's not defined. That's not exactly what it should be, but it's a great rule of thumb. Will 20% of your church use it every week? Now, if you look at your mobile app, of your website, I bet that 95% of that content doesn't follow that rule. I bet that people get on there and they open it and they can't find what they're looking for because they want a specific item, they just don't want everything generalized, and they'll probably never open the website again because it's annoying to treat it like it's an app. You cannot treat a website like an app. And if your website works like an app, your website probably is not good at all. And if your app works like a website, you have a terrible app. So. Uh, I hope that makes sense to all of you. There's, I mean, you can Google this. There's a million reasons, but this is my strongest reason. Like, if you try to sell someone that visits your church asking about an app, try to sell them your website, they're probably just going to walk away and mumble to themselves because it's really, it's a tough sell because they don't accomplish the same thing, even though you look at this and you think, hey, it looks just like an app. So I, I, I dwell on that simply because it's what I am asked the most often, and it's a very tough question to answer if you don't think about it. So... Now I'm going to talk about what, how an app helps visitors and how it helps members of your church. For visitors, one great thing it does, and this can be for members of your church too, is it makes the church relevant to them. Everyone has a phone. Everyone loves, well, I wouldn't say everyone loves to be on their phone, but a lot of people love to be on their phone. And a lot of visitors coming to your church are going to love to be on their phone. Just like, um, I mean, it's good for the church to be relevant. You don't want to change your church to be like the world. I think we can all agree with that. We want to be relevant to the world, but we don't want to be of the world. So, I mean, Jesus did the same thing. He spoke in parables. He was relevant to the people of his time. What was relevant to them was parables. That's why he spoke in them. That was what was cool, what they accepted, what they loved to hear, and it helped them remember what was being said. In the same way, people love using apps. They connect with apps. It actually can help them remember things. So if you can give a sermon, you have your sermon notes in the app. They can be taking notes with the app. That is not going to click with everyone. But I wouldn't be surprised if over 50% of your church can connect with the sermons better because they have the app where they can connect with what's happening in church and then outside of the church with podcasts and communication and sharing. There's just so many different ways that you can connect better and be relevant to more people in the church using the app, and especially for visitors. It also adds familiarity. I know um, we, were, we were missionaries. We came back in 2010, and we moved six times between Indiana and Ohio. And so we got to visit a lot of churches since we were in a different place each time. And I'm obviously comfortable in the church, but you still walk in there. And even if a church does an awesome job, you know, as a, in a church, you want to have so many people touch someone, like contact them, make them feel at home. But even with all those touches and churches that did a wonderful job greeting me, I still feel a little awkward. 
I mean, anybody's going to feel that way. It's all these people know each other. I'm the, I could, you could think I'm the fresh meat. I'm the person. That's just, that's the mindset. I, I know the church doesn't think of them as the fresh meat, but that's the mindset. So for them to be able to come in and then have all the communication, feel all the love, but then be able to say they sit down in their seat in church and you say, now you can pull out, you can pull out the app, you can download our app, pull it out and listen to the sermon. That immediately gives them permission to pull their phone out. Like, this is okay. So they're probably not going to consciously think the next day, you know, it was nice being able to pull my phone out. I felt more comfortable, but I bet they will feel more comfortable. So it gives them that permission to be able to pull the phone out and just feel more comfortable. It's just that one added layer. And then on top of that, now they have the app on their phone. They leave church, and the next day they're scrolling through their phone. There's your, there's your logo right there in front of them. They can go in there, and they'll probably play with the app. They'll see your podcast there. They'll see your social media. They'll see your life groups, whatever it is you want in your app. And you can even push notifications to them if you want. And that's really on a church-by-church culture basis. You want to push notifications. And that's when you have like a little banner pop into the top of your phone. If you use Twitter, Facebook, anything, you're used to the banner popping in. Or it just says, something just happened. Well, you can do that with your app for your church, too, and communicate with those people. And just remind them the church is there. Remind them that you posted the sermon, whatever, whatever you did. So it's a great way to keep in contact and just help people feel comfortable and make the church relevant to them if they're visiting for the first time or just getting integrated into the church. Um, next up, I want to talk about what it does for members. I think it helps just as much with members as it does with visitors. In many cases, it's for the same reason. One thing it does really well, and this is something that my church in Cincinnati has been struggling with over the last few years, is communication. We, post, we have a weekly newsletter. We say the announcements every week in front of everyone. We post everything to Twitter. We post everything to Facebook. There's no way you think anybody could not know what's coming. And yet an event, pictures from an event posted on Twitter, and you get 50 complaints from people saying, why didn't you get the news out about this? It looks so much fun. I can't believe I missed this. And that, that always happens. And there's no way. You just can't overcome that problem. I'll just tell you that now. But the ability to do push notifications, have your newsletter built into the app so they don't even have to be signed up for the newsletter anymore, have Twitter and Facebook integrated into the app so they don't even have to have a Facebook or Twitter account, it really gives them no excuse. And then you can have a calendar with all of the events, with all the additional information. So if anybody comes up to you, you're just like, check the app, check the app. They come up and complain to you, did you check the app? It just gives you the ability to just say, check the app to every question. Because at that point, what can, you can't, they can't complain they don't have a Twitter, Facebook, email, whatever. It's, did you check the app? So uh, that's the biggest thing. And I mean, I listed here a number of things you can do. This list could go forever, what you could do with an app. But um, the, basic, the basic really great thing is just how it gets the information out to people that are in the church and just also how they can integrate, like, work with the sermon, feel more comfortable with the sermon, and connect better with it. So uh, next up, I want to talk about what an app can do. Now, before I even go into this, everything I'm showing you are apps that FaithLink Apps makes. There are, other, there are awesome apps out there, church apps. But um, understand that there are companies out there that they will buy a very cheap website that makes apps. You'll log into a CMS, and a CMS is a content management system where you'll just kind of upload your content, and then it will just display it in the app. It's still an app. It's a native app, but it's not made for churches, and it displays terribly. It looks so bad. And there's people that take They buy these for like $10 to $15 an app, and then they resell them to you for $50 to $60 to $100 an app. And they sell them with a beautiful church website. And it won't do anything I'm telling you that church apps should do. It won't do any of this. You might be able to have podcasts, but they'll look terrible. They might have sermon notes, but they'll look terrible. And that's not to say I'm the only one. There's plenty of good church apps out there. But realize, just because I say this is what a church app should do and this is what a church app does, that you, you need to do your shopping around. Make sure, you, make sure you know that the app you're looking at actually does what I'm saying if that's what you're hoping it will do. 
So the first thing that uh, church apps can do that is really cool is, um, do any of you use Uversion for your sermon notes? Yeah, yeah, good. That's awesome. So uh, one bad thing about Uversion, which we use Uversion. This is all Uversion integration. It just doesn't look anything like it because we do it natively. But um, one one bad thing about Uversion is you put the sermon in Uversion, you've got to click the hamburger menu, scroll down to live, click live, search for your church, scroll through the 100 churches in your area, find your church, click it, see if there's multiple sermons, find the sermon at your church, and by then, how many users have you lost? How many people are never going to even try to search Uversion again? So what the app can do for you is you just have a tab right here that says live. You open the church app live, and there's your newest sermon ready for you to do, and it's natively integrated into the app. So it, just, it looks a lot better than what Uversion can offer you. You can see, just if, if you aren't used to Uversion, it's just a, it's a neat website where you can post your sermon notes to the website, and it makes it available. It's, I believe it's provided by Life Church TV. It's an awesome free resource. So anything I said about it being difficult to use, I'm not, it's a free resource. I'm thrilled to death they offer it. And it's great that the apps can integrate it. But you can see what happens here is you have your sermon notes. You can have a, like a note, a body, a Bible verse, and it just goes on and on and on. You can click any section of this, so you just tap it. And it, immediately this pops up, and you can take a note on that section of the sermon. So you write whatever you want to write about that sermon note. You click Add. It, gets, it shrinks, and now you have a note symbol saying, hey, I've taken a note in that section of the sermon. What we did here is we love Uversion. There's things about that are difficult to use. So we took what we loved about Uversion and tried to streamline it to be exactly what we would want it to be like. So we take the information you post on Uversion, try to present it in a way that's super intuitive, super easy, won't frustrate anybody, and you can access it right away from inside the app. And then at the bottom of this, if you scroll all the way down, there's a send email button. You click send email, and all the notes are written out in the email. So you have like a note, and then your note, a Bible verse, and then your note. So it organizes the notes you took. Instead of a big blob at the bottom of the email of your notes, it integrates them right where you took them inside the email. All right, so that's, I think, I think this is the most powerful thing about sermon notes, or about the church apps from me using them myself. Like, I use this on a weekly basis, and it has changed the way church is for me. Because I, I have a hard time focusing. I have a great, I'm very good at focusing on my phone. So if I can focus on my phone while the pastor's talking and pay attention to him, it, it, it makes a world of difference to me. But, I mean, it just it depends on who you are, how much that matters to you. Um, next up is um, podcasts. Uh, chances are good that a lot of you already post your podcast from your website to iTunes. So, I mean, it might not seem like as much of a necessity as some of these other things to have a podcast, but they can display very nicely. You can have all of your sermon series listed if you do your sermons and sermon series. It's not a necessity. Or you just click through. When you click a sermon, you can see all the sermons that are in that series. You can click a specific sermon. You can have descriptions, links to videos, pretty much links to any content you want for that sermon. And then also an embedded player. And you can click this share button. And then if you, if you listen to a sermon and think, man, this would be awesome for Mary. She's really struggling with this. You just click the share button. A screen pops up. It lets you share it on Twitter, Facebook, email, any so, or text, anything you want. You can just send it straight to Mary, a link directly to this or to the video. So it's just an awesome way to give your sermons that extra punch. It gives an awesome presentation, allows you to share it, it makes it very easy to listen to. Uh, next up is in-app calendar. So I already kind of touched on the whole, did you look at the app? Did you look at the app? Did you look at the app? This is really where it applies the, the most, the best. 
is where you can say, I mean, you can see here, this is a native calendar. This is actually based off of Google Calendar in this case. It doesn't need to be. But usually if you look at websites, when you look at Google Calendar, it's a really ugly iframe. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. If you make web design, you know what I'm talking about. It usually looks awful. And I've seen church apps that use the iframe uh, approach, and it's, it's painful to look at. But what we do is we natively take the information from Google Calendar or whatever calendar you use if it provides the information we need. And we just display it with times, the name of the event, dates. And you can see there's an add to calendar button. So if you had the iframe, you wouldn't really have the ability to do this. But here, you can just click Add to Calendar, and immediately it's added to that device's calendar. So it's not, now, it's not just in the app anymore. It's on your device. And chances are good that device is either connected to iCalendar, so it's going to their Mac, or it's connected to Google Calendar, and it's going to their whatever uh, Windows machine. So it's, a, it's an awesome way. I do this all the time with our church, and I hadn't even thought of how powerful it was until getting to apply it myself. I'm just getting to scroll through the calendar, add to calendar, add to calendar for all the events that apply to me. It's so fast. I said I have to type anything out because now, now your calendar is filling all the information out for you. Um, also, you can see there's an information button. This gives an idea of how that looks. In this case, we're talking about Tone Up Tuesdays uh, at our church on Tuesdays. So you can see you just clicked the information button, and it gave you all the information you need about it. And this can have uh, email buttons, link buttons, whatever you want for any event. So in this window, can be as big as you want it to be. You can just scroll. You can make it scrollable. It could be a book you write about each event if you want it to be. So all this is unlimited information, which really takes away the excuse of people saying, well, you didn't give me the information I needed. Um, next up is a Bible reading plan. We're just rolling this out for churches right now. I'm sure you've seen, if you've looked at apps in general, you've seen a lot of Bible reading plan options. So this is just a Bible reading plan where we take um, the one-year Bible, if you're familiar with that, and it uses uh, Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm, and Proverbs, and it just takes a passage automatically. So all you do is say, we want to use the Bible plan. It's in there. You never, you never have to touch it again. It just fills it out. They touch it. They read it. Once again, it's natively built in. All this text is being imported into the app. You don't have to load a web page for each one. And then after you read it, you click back, and you can see it tells you what sections you've completed. After you've completed it, it will say, congratulations, you completed today's reading. On iOS right now only, we don't have this on Android yet, you can click the stats button, and it will track, track your reading up to a yearly basis. So you have... Uh, days, consecutive days, weeks, or yeah, weeks, consecutive weeks, and you can just see what your reading patterns are. So if you wanted to do like a church reading challenge, a life group reading challenge, whatever reading challenge, you can easily, I mean, you can cheat on this. You can cheat on anything. But you're cheating on a Bible reading plan. You might, you might need to have a talk. Uh, but um, that it just, it's, it's a really neat tool that just lets you say, hey, we have this as well. If, and it's something you can add for free or you don't add for free. It's just an option that's available. Um, another thing is uh, resources to go paperless. Real fast, I just want to talk about um, one issue with an app is there's obviously an added cost for your church. But um, we've had, I have reports back from churches saying the in-app giving has brought up the giving. And another thing is you can definitely replace things that you're printing with stuff that's in the app. For instance, uh, the newsletter, you can have the newsletter in the app, which you may not be printing the newsletter, so that doesn't apply to you if all you're doing is emailing it out. Our church has been printing it, so it helped out with that. Uh, the bulletin, if you want, I have churches that have gone completely paperless and just had the bulletin in the app. That can be difficult for some churches. Some churches will just, they, it, you couldn't even talk about it. But it is, it is an option, or at least you can cut back on paper. Because you could, I mean, it's not hard to say, hey, we're going to try to start doing this. If you don't mind, just start looking at the bulletin. Because now you're not going to lose it. It's in the app all week. So 
just do that. Don't take the paper. This does cost us money. It's a great way that if, if your congregation can handle that, you can start saving money, just encouraging people not to take it. Videos don't really apply because you're not going to print the videos, but that's one other option that you can have integrated with your weekly videos. Another thing is connect cards. If you have some kind of card that's in the back of the chair or pew that people can grab to fill out to get more information or prayer requests, you can just have that directly integrated into the app where they can just send an email with that information. And... Um, this gives a good opportunity because not only do they not have to drop a card in, but they could go home that night and fill it out now. And now I know at least our church has like a nice paper stock one. It's not just a flimsy piece of paper. So that's a bit more expensive. It's nice to be able to replace that. And really, I mean, almost all this stuff is stuff that churches came to me and said, well, what about this? What about this? So, I mean, if you have ideas for how you could save money, I, I mean, I'm all about hearing it. And I'm hoping that other, other developers would be all about hearing it. So it's a great thing to think about just how you could save that money going paperless, maybe even save more than the app's going to cost you anyway. Um, one thing that we just started doing is life groups. This is great because uh, my church just started life groups. And as, if, if you're involved in the church staff, you know that a lot of times uh, information doesn't get passed to the different departments like it should. So I was not told that our, we were supposed to have life groups in the app, so we didn't get it. But we do have church that integrate a life group. And this is information that can be uploaded in real time. They can change it on the fly. So you can see you have all the life groups listed with pictures, locations, and details. And let's say the life group isn't happening this week. You could push a push notification out. Or you could say life group not happening. You can have emails here, links. I mean, this is all just a really powerful life group tool if that's in the culture of your church. Maybe you wouldn't want to have that. Maybe you don't care about pictures, but it's just an option that's available. And the churches that are using it right now are loving it. Um, push notifications. So I've already touched on push notifications, but I'd say other than the sermon notes, I think that this is probably the coolest thing that we do. And um, we do the push notification in general, which is this screen right here. Most apps will offer you that ability. So you just you can enter a console, you type out a message similar to a text message. You've got to be pretty short. And then it, it'll either pop in a screen up here or it, when they unlock their phone, it's right here. And then if they were to, let's say, so in this, in this case, um, People's Church in Dalhart, Texas, sent out a message saying they had their new sermon series is now live in the app, right? So they, you swipe it, it immediately opens the People's Church app. You're inside the People's Church app, and now you have the ability to view the notification in the app, or you can cancel that. And the reason we did this is we had churches saying, well, just push notifications isn't enough. We really want a list of those push notifications, because what if you missed it? What if you had a long list of notifications, you opened one of them, then all of them went away? And, I mean, honestly, it's still available in your notification center, but a lot of people, that's not a good enough answer for them. So um, this gives you, you open the app, now you can click view, and now your notification center in the app opens up. So now you can see a list of all of the push notifications you've sent out. And not only that, so here's yesterday's sermon is now up in the same, same as your push notification, but you can see there's a symbol here indicating what that push notification has to do with. These both have to do with events calendar events. This has to do with sermons. It's an RSS feed. I mean, you can set up different symbols here. So you click this and it opens the section of the app that relates to that. So they can follow the bread trail that you laid out for them from this point to this point where they're inside the app using what it is you wanted them to use. It's, I, if that makes sense to you, I think it it's very significant because you can not only can you lead them to the part of the app you want them to use, this can also be any URL you want them to go to. So let's say you have an event on the website, you have an event on a different website, you want to do anything, you can guide them inside the app to whatever you want them to see. It's unlimited possibilities of what you can do with this. So you, just getting to lay out that breadcrumb trail to anything, getting the news out, this is pretty much, there's nothing like this. You can't do this without an app that I know of. You can send text messages out, but you still can't really lay that breadcrumb trail out well like that while keeping them inside of a product that belongs to you. 
So that's, um, that's covering uh, what you can do with an app. So hopefully, hopefully you've kind of got an idea of why you'd want an app and what you can do with it. So now if you are interested in an app, I'm going to go through what it looks like. What's that process of actually making an app from picking a developer, deciding who to go with, uh, what it looks like to actually design your app, what you're going to need to do depending on what developer you go with, and what kind of assets you'll need to give that developer, and then what it looks like, what you're going to have to worry about with promoting the app. Like, what's it look like once you've made the app and the app is now live? What's that, what, what, what is required of you at that point? So um, for picking a developer, I think there's three things you really need to look at, just for any, any developer you look at. And the, um, the first one is, how much is this developer going to cost? Pretty simple, I'm sure. <laughs> Nobody's going to dive into just making an app without thinking about the price of the app. Um, the next thing is, what can the app do? Can it, can it do the different things you want to accomplish with it? And uh, next up, what does it take to maintain an app? And in this case, I'm talking more about uh, how does the developer handle maintenance? When iOS 10 comes out, what happens? You going to pay that developer to update the app? Or is he just going to do that as part of the cost of what you're already paying? Um, so the, the, the cost of an app is really divided, by t divided between two things. It's going to be a setup cost and a monthly cost. Pretty straightforward. With a website, you're going to run into the same thing, where you have a setup cost, a monthly cost, and a domain cost. But um, with the setup cost, this can range from anything between $49 and pretty much infinity. Uh, I say 10000 plus, but and the reason it can go so high is that you could pay a developer and say, I want this app to be our app. I want you to code this app and give me the code, put it on the app store, and it is ours. You, you do not own this app anymore. So, and I can see how you could do the math and say, all right, well, if I pay, let's say they do it for 5000 and I'm paying you know, $100 a month. At how many years does that balance out where I'm going, you know, it's working out for me. The thing you need to consider even like, before you do any of this is what's it look like when, that, when iOS 10 does come out? When Android, uh, Jake, or whatever, Android, whatever letter comes out, um, what does it look like to you when that happens? Because who's going to update it? You're probably going to have to go back to that developer because no one else is going to want to mess with that code. And you're probably going to pay them $10,000 again because they're going to have to go in and do everything over again. So you need to be super cautious. And that might not be the case, maybe you, especially if you have someone in-house. They're not going to do that to you. But if you're going to pay someone out-of-house to develop an app that you own, be very cautious. Make sure you know, have all the guidelines written out of exactly how updating works because it's very easy to get bad things going on there. Usually, I would say if you see an app that says it's free for setup, you also need to be super cautious. Probably that means that the monthly cost is going to go through the roof because they just want to get you on there, take the time to build the app on their website, and then they're going to throw some kind of cost at you where you just can't handle it. But you're like, man, I already invested this time, and then you're stuck in that struggle. So to me, usually 49 might be okay. Usually 99 and above is good. I, for setup, can go up to 1,000. There's some good church websites that charge 1,000. I wouldn't, if you really like what they offer and how they offer it, I would say you can go that high. But I would definitely be careful going anywhere above 1,000 because I don't know why you would with all the resources that are available out there. So then usually the monthly cost is a subsidy to bring the setup cost down. And usually the monthly cost can range between $20 and $150 a month. Some of the very most popular church apps do charge around $100 to $150 a month. And... Um, I would be cautious about anything under $50. You can expect, I've looked at a lot of church apps, this is my life, and uh, I have never seen a good church app under $50 where it can do what I think a church app should do. And like I'm saying, there's plenty of good church apps, and that doesn't mean once you pass the $50 limit, the app's gonna be good. I've seen some of the very worst church apps above $50, but just be cautious if you go below that, and just make sure you take a good look at what the app can do. Um, so. <laughs> What can the app do? I have a bunch of pictures here of um, 
some apps from churches or ministries that have come to me or referenced apps. And um, these, don't, these don't look great. Uh, <laughs> the, the layouts are very basic. You can see very clashing colors. And that's because most likely the church or ministry didn't have the ability to control the color scheme, had no ability to control the layout. And it just, it didn't really work out. So um, I, I, advise, I highly advise you to go check out the apps that the company's made if you're thinking about going with an app. Don't just trust their website pictures. I'd say download five, download 10 apps from that developer. Make sure they all look fantastic. And if, the, if one of them doesn't look fantastic, make sure you can talk to them and ask them why. Maybe the church demanded the app looked a certain way. I have apps that don't look great. And that's because the church has a very different uh, artistic direction than what I have. But you know, I'm, that's their choice. I'm never going to say you can't have it the way you want it. But just be cautious because I know that in all of these cases, it's just based off of one of those websites. Like I said, it's someone reselling a website and it has no flexibility. It's always going to look, mm. um, what platforms can the app be on? A lot of apps say they're $20 a month on iPhone. And maybe you'll even set the whole app up before you know it's just iPhone. $20 more a month for iPad. $30 a more a month to add Android. $20 more a month to add Android tablet in. Just be careful that you're not getting sucked into something. Make sure right up front you know what platforms are supported. Because you need, most, from my experience of working with all the churches I've worked with, most of them are really lean really heavy iOS or Android for some reason. Most aren't split 50-50. I don't know if that's because someone in leadership is really pushing it. But um, so, and oftentimes when I talk to those churches, they're like, well, you know, it might just be okay iOS or just iPhone. And it's not. Your church is probably split 50-50. It's almost always split 50-50. That's just how America is. It's split about 50-50. And especially for people that go to church. So, or just, yeah. Um, so just be aware of that. Never, ever think it's okay not to support iOS or Android. When it comes to Microsoft Phone, Windows Phone, BlackBerry, I would not dish out the big bucks to support those. Um, Windows Phone, it looks fantastic, but it is at like less than 3% usage, and it's going down. And they're pouring money into that. So just be careful. Don't, don't think, and I'm sure that your website that wants you to pay for your Windows is going to pretend, you know, this is the best thing ever. But I would say do not give up a developer based simply on Windows Phone. And if it is important, you go ahead. Make sure they do support Windows Phone. Just be cautious about the fact that it's 3% and it's going down. I read reports about it all the time because I would be a lot more interested in Windows Phone if there was usage. I mean, as soon as it passes 10 15%, it's, it's going to really matter. But since it's going down... Just know that. Um, and just make sure you know what the app can handle. Can it do everything your church wants to do? I'd have the staff meet together and talk. Uh, have them discuss what it is you want the app to do. And just make sure you're all on the same page. And maybe even have a vision of what you might want the app to do and make sure it can support that or know what the developer will, call, will charge to do that. So just meet and talk about that. And how does the app integrate with what you're already using? Can it integrate version? Can it integrate Vimeo and YouTube? Just make sure to all do all that and can do exactly what you need it to do. Um, like I said, the, the last thing we talk about for developers, what's it look like to obtain, update and maintain the app? How much will they charge you for iOS 10? Are they going to charge you a fortune when iOS 10 comes out or the next version of Android? What's that look like? Make sure you know what that looks like and know the time frame. Is it going to be six months out before your app looks like it matches the new OS? I mean, chances are iOS 9 will come out and it won't even matter. But chances are when iOS 10 or 11 come out, it will matter. And right now, if you see an app running on iOS 6, it looks awful. And maybe it doesn't look awful to you, but I promise you to a lot of people it does look awful. So make sure that you're not going to be sitting there. And actually, some of those apps I showed you were running iOS 6, like in iOS 6 styling. I mean, and those are apps I took pictures from two weeks or a month ago. 
So, I mean, just make sure you know how that's going to look for you. Um, also, what's it look like for you to update the app using what they have? Uh, like I said, you want to consider a content management system. That's the most popular style, and that means you're logging into their website, you're putting your information into the website, you're saving it, and then it's going straight into the app. It's a very powerful way to do things because you can not only add content on the fly, oftentimes with a content management system, you can even rearrange the way your entire look, app looks on the fly. Now, you're only going to have access to so many different styles of items, like you only have access to maybe podcasts, blogs, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. It might be very limited what you can do, but you can oftentimes rearrange stuff. I would be very surprised with any content management system if they would be like, oh, yeah, we can work with you and make it do something we don't do with anybody else. Chances are you're never going to see that kind of thing happen. So there's very major limitations. And almost always with a content management system, you're going to find yourself having to log into their website on a weekly basis, so uploading everything to their website or uploading some kind of content to their website and then also doing it to your own website or whatever you're doing. So oftentimes you'll find yourself, and I've, had, I've talked to many churches that have done this uh, with content management systems for apps in the past, and they say they spent usually on Monday and or Tuesday, they were spending five to ten hours a week on the app just catching up with everything they did on Sunday. And I mean, there might not be as much content coming out of your church, but just realize, maybe think about what's this going to look like for us on a weekly basis? Are we going to be having to spend this time? Do we have this time? And maybe in that case, it just doesn't work for you. There's also um, the ability to, like I said, you can link up an app. You can link up an app with what you're already doing. And you just need to make sure that works. Because someone could say, hey, we can link this all up with what your app's doing or what your website's doing, what Vimeo's doing. Just make sure it looks good. I'm positive there's other people that do what we do. We're not like a standalone only company that can offer that. But just make sure it works right. It can handle what you want to do. And like I said, this is flexible. You can rearrange your app on, a, on the fly. I cannot offer you that. I can offer you like a customized app now, and then you're going to have to wait two weeks for the app to go live to change it. But, I mean, there's, there's advantages and disadvantages to both. This, one just ha this one's more time-consuming. This one might be slightly less flexible. You can't change something about your layout in an hour. You're going to have to wait a week for Apple to approve that change. Um, so uh, designing your app. For designing your app, this can look a lot different depending on what kind of developer you're talking to. Um, Hopefully, if you can talk to an independent developer, you can just call them up, be like, hey, here's our website, here's all the content that our church offers, and um, then they can, they can say, or I know I would say to you, I would look at all of that and say, okay, I think this, 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 and this are what we should add to the app. Is there anything you want? And I also think that we could add something like this, this, and this. And oftentimes, I'm like, hey, have you ever considered a MailChimp newsletter? We can integrate that. It'll look a lot better than your just standard email you're sending out. It'll be formatted great, and we can integrate into the app. And it's just, so it's just little things that, just from my experience with working at all these churches, I can give ideas of how not only can they integrate it in the app, but they can integrate it for themselves. Whereas if you're contacting most of the CMS people, I mean, you're, just, you're stuck with what they have, which is, can be awesome. They might have exactly what you want. If you're familiar with Subsplash, Subsplash is the most uh, popular app provider, and uh, the content is amazing. It looks great. So, I mean, this, it's not to say that just because they have a CMS, it's going to be bad, but they will make you design your own, your own app. So you're going to lay it out, and you might like that. You, you're going to lay out the app yourself, so you're going to probably have to meet together as a staff, decide what you want the app to look like, and then someone's going to have to go into the CMS, figure out how to use it, and lay the app out on your own. Or you can have the developer call a developer up, tell them what, they, what you want. They can walk you through it, and then they'll lay it out for you. So those are kind of the two ways you can do it. Lay it out yourself, lay it out for you. If you're laying it out yourself, I highly advise you to at least consider the 20% rule I said at the start. 
make sure that the content you're putting in there is used by 20% of the users on a weekly basis. So you're not just ending up accidentally building a website as an app. Um, <clears throat> once you have that layout chosen, hopefully it takes very little time to build the app, especially if the developer's doing it for you. There's two things, it can be as small as just asking two things of the developer. You gotta give the developer an app icon, which is as simple as a logo, and you gotta give them a splash screen, and that's what appears when you open your app. Honestly, you can build an app with just that. It'd be better if you have sermon series artwork, get that to the uh, developer. If you have banners you want to use, get that to the developer. And it can, the list can go on and on and on and on and on until the app looks so much like your church, it's amazing. But it can also just be these two images. It doesn't have to be crazy. You don't have to have uh, an artist on hand to, draw, to make 40 special images just for your app. So, I mean, it, I just want to point out, it's as simple as these two items. Just these dimensions, that's it. But... It just depends also what you're doing. You're going to have to drag it out and build it yourself. Um, last of all, uh, I wanted to talk about promoting your app. I, this, I'd made this slide already, and uh, then it came up with my own church that we had a week where we had a guest speaker that was from the church, and he didn't mention the app at all. When we mention the app, it's literally as simple as, if you want to open your app and see the sermon notes, that's it. It's not, hey, we have an app. If you want to download it and look for Mosaic Cincy on the web, blah, blah, blah. No, it's just, if you want to open your sermon, that's literally all we do. And the app usage from not saying that sentence went down by 50%. And that's not like we had five users. <laughs> that's like, I mean, we lost about 140 users based off of him not mentioning it. So it makes, it makes a huge difference. It needs to become part of your culture. But just, it's not like you're changing your church. You just got to remember to keep mentioning. I don't think, I think that he, he didn't mention it one week, and the next week we had the most users we've ever had. So it's not like we lost all those users. But what if we stopped mentioning it? then it's never going to, nothing's going to change. It's probably going to start going down. And it's also important to keep posting stuff. You don't post sermon notes for two weeks in a row, that's going to hurt. People are going to quit depending on the app, and they're just going to give up on you. Because I open the app two weeks in a row, and you don't bother posting your sermon notes that you have printed up. Why am I going to try in the third week? It's just annoying. You're obviously not taking your app seriously. I, I think that's one of the most important things, just to make sure you keep updating the content when available. There's weeks where you're not going to have sermon notes at all. But if you have printed sermon notes, make sure they're in the bulletin as well, uh, or make sure they're in the app as well. Um, also, uh, when the app goes live, there's a number of things you can do. You don't need to just look at my list. I'm sure you can come up with ideas. As with like uh, QR codes, you can easily have a QR code. I'm going to have one on the... Here, I'll just show you. There's a QR code if you don't know what they are. I'm sure you see them everywhere. Something funny about QR codes. They're everywhere. I, I was asking a bunch of youth just yesterday I was hanging out with. None of them had QR readers. They had no idea what to do with it. So I don't know how many people actually know how to use that. But if you want, before, like, before the sermon starts, you could have your sermon artwork if you have any kind of projector or whatever, and you could have the QR codes up there, and people could just point at the screen. Whether or not they know how to use it, it still looks pretty cool. makes you look current. So uh, that's, that's just an idea. Uh, and you can also put those QR codes in your bulletin if you have bulletins. A Q, to me, a QR code is basically like a, a link on paper. So it's like a clickable link. So um, just gives you the ability to do that. Um, I would always, I mean, promote that app for the next month on at least a weekly basis on your social media. Make sure everybody knows about it. Um, and then keep talking about it before sermons. Just like that little, little quib I said. Just say, you know, hey, we got, open the app to look at the sermon notes. Just something simple, very fast. Just make sure you keep mentioning it. Um, and then also, if you have a newsletter, just, you can have direct links to the app on the on the app stores. So just include that in your newsletter so someone just in their email, on their phone, they can just click it and they're immediately in the app store ready to download it. Um, I've already kind of covered the importance of updating the app regularly. So uh, yeah, just 
I, I cannot talk stronger about this on apps as well as on your website, which I'm going to talk about in breakout session number three where I talk about websites. You've got to keep updating the content, or instead of the app helping your church, it's going to end up hindering your church because you look like you don't care anymore. So um, that's actually it for my talk. I got done a little early, so I can take questions if anybody has questions. This link, if you, if you do happen to have a QR code reader, this will take you right to the presentation on uh, my Google Drive. So you can have the whole presentation, or if you enjoy typing a lot of characters out, you can try using that, and it will work. But good luck with that. Yeah? Yeah, um, our, our worship team uses, like, Planning Center. Oh, this yeah. app we're talking about seems to be um, the people in the seats uh, being presented uh, information from the, uh, the church. Mm -hmm. But can, can, uh, can like, the uh, people in the worship team use this also? I mean... Have you had any churches that want you to build in, like, hey, can we uh, you know, be more inclusive? Can we, can our worship team use this also and get things pushed and stuff? I mean, so it would be more up to, I guess, that's, I can't quite narrow that down. Like, what, can you, can you give me an example well, of how you know, want to do that? Who's scheduled to do what? I mean, uh, you know, oh, you right could. now we just go to the planning center and look on, on a web page. Yeah. But, now, uh, would you want that as public information, though? That's not a problem. Well, I mean, you can have it locked down. I have apps no, that have, no, no, I have no. apps with locked down sections. There's no reason you can't lock down a section. Like a personal login. I, it's just like, a, yeah, just a code. And I mean, you could change it. So, but on the app I have, it's just a dent, 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 dent. Just, it looks like when you're unlocking an iPhone and you have a code. You just well, enter a code I, in. I just think because most people who are involved in the, uh, on the team are also, you know, consider themselves part of the church also. Mm -hmm. So they, they would want to see this, but then they have to deal with two separate apps. That's all. I just, but no one's, no one's asked that in the past. That's my question. That's, that's true. And I mean, okay. to, to mimic what Planning Center does inside of an app, that would be, that would be pretty extreme. Because, I mean, Planning Center, that's, that's an entire product from a company. So if you were to pull the data from it. Yeah, and that's up to, that's up to what Planning Center allows. Oh, okay. So, I mean, if Planning Center locks it down, because that's what, they want that to be their thing. I mean, you're paying them for that, right? Sure. So, well, so they probably don't want your church integrating it. Or they might. They might want it to be open. So it's really up to... It's up to how open they are. And I mean, what, how that would look is you would call me or whoever the developer is, and hopefully they would be willing to contact Planning Center, the company that runs Planning Center, and just see what, what they can offer. And I mean, then it's just coming back to you and honestly saying, hey, this is what they told me. Here's how we can accomplish it. And I mean, there, there's just limitations. Yeah. But to, I mean, to build Planning Center from scratch, I mean, I, I'm in the worship band too. It, it, would be, it would be crazy, and it would cost you a fortune to ask for that in an app. But, I mean, a great question, though. Great question. And all the time, there's questions about integrating stuff like that. And sometimes it, sometimes it works out better than I'd ever imagine. So, I mean, that's the great thing. You just keep coming back with questions and seeing how things will work out. Yeah. Like, so, because uh, you said you had certain, like, lockdown sections. So, like, let's say you had all your small group leaders that you wanted to have them do a forum. Let's say, how many were at your small groups and stuff like that. But, so they go into the app. They hit it. They have to put in the code. Like, they have a special lockdown code. Yeah. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to screw up my countdown here, so hopefully I don't keep you guys too long. This is, this is an example of the unlock. Hopefully the internet here is good enough. Awesome. Um, so in this church, they have huddles. It's just for leaders right now. So you can see you have a lock screen right here. So I'm going to enter numbers. <laughs> Whoops, if I can remember the code. And now I'm inside the section just for the leaders. So you can keep track of huddles. This gives you the ability to add people that are in different life groups and keep track of their phone numbers and stuff. Um, this actually gives you a whiteboard for ministering to people where you can draw out stuff. They, they, they deal a lot with shapes, where they tell stories with shapes to help people remember things. So this is like a tool for them to do that. So it's just kind of a, it's a locked out section just for the leaders to be able to access all the materials they want. Okay. 
And, uh, and in many cases, like the drawing, that was stuff that came to me, and I'm like, well, that's going to be an additional cost, but I can really do whatever you want. But like a lock screen, that's nothing. That's just, I just throw it together real fast. Any other questions? All right, well, we're only about three minutes short. So, I mean, that's all I've got. If you, uh, if you want to come up and talk to me, I have a table out there where I'd be glad to answer any questions in detail. And I have cards here if you want to contact me. I have forms here if you want to get a card and fill out a form to get more details and talk to me on the phone later. So uh, just feel free to contact me throughout the day at the Faith Link booth out there. We have a TV on the table that might help you find us because there's not many of them that have TVs. So, uh, yeah, thank you for uh, coming here. what I had to say about apps. Thank you.